0: song we just sang, of course, was written by Isaac Watts. I don't know if any of you know the story behind this song. But his good friend, Elizabeth Singer, I think her name was. Anyway, uh, sometime during his teens, he got smallpox, and it left his face very badly scarred. Well, anyway, he proposed to this Elizabeth Singer, he said, the only girl he ever loved. And she refused him. And he was heartbroken, of course. And uh, for several months, he was just, you know, stung by that rejection. And one evening, with a broken heart, he sat down and the Lord gave him this hymn. For such a warm as I, that the Savior would bleed and die. You know, sometimes the Lord uses difficult circumstances in our lives to bring glory to himself. All right. First Peter chapter two. Tonight, First Peter Chapter Two. <clears throat> uh, the title of the Message Tonight is Submission or Control. Submission or Control. First Peter two. And I'm going to begin at verse 13, where it says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So again, title, Submission or Control. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word tonight, and I pray that you give wisdom in handling the word of God that might speak forth the truth, that we might have ears to hear, hearts to obey, and give serious consideration to this this uh, principle of submission, not to be controlled, but willing to submit ourselves to that which is right and pleasing in thy sight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, sometimes it can be confusing as to what is right response to those in authority over us when things may be questionable. are we just to obey everything the government or the pastor or the parents command us, no matter what it is? Do we just go along with those commands without thinking for ourselves? Or examining whether these things are right or lawful? In this passage here, you know, as we you know, but I will say this to, to begin, though, you better be very sure you're right before you reject the counsel of an authority that God has placed over you we are very sure of that. And you need to have a right attitude. Submission is really an attitude first. And we're going to see tonight that there were those who had an attitude of submission, yet disobeyed authorities. They did it biblically. So, first of all, I want you to notice, the first thing I want to mention here is, government is ordained, or that is, it is established by God. That is a Bible principle. It's taught here it's also taught in Romans 13, verses 13 and 14 here says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, unto them that are sent by him, and this next phrase is key also, for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of them that do well. And of course, Romans 13, 1 through 3 Says that every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power, do that which is good, and thou shalt have the praise of the saint. So we can see here very clearly that government and authority is ordained of God. You know, and when we think of government, we're, we think of, you know, not only the state government, but church government, home government, all these things. Human government was something that was established by God after Noah came off the ark. God gave Noah a he said, you know, of course, you know, th- there wasn't really any government uh, forms of authority prior to the flood. Every man did basically that which he wanted, and was in his own eyes, And the Bible says, came to this conclusion, God came to this conclusion, every man, everything, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's how things got. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But after the ark, when Noah called the ark, God said that if a man kills a man, by man shall his blood be shed. That was the establishment of human government. Man's to rule man. And so government is ordained of God. Now you know, the second thing here is we see the purpose of government officials. Submit yourselves, verse 13, to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the King of Supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So the purpose of government then is for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of them that do, lo- do well. But you know, what is an evildoer? How do we define an evildoer? Well, an evildoer, the word evildoer is also translated over in John chapter 18, verse 29 or verse 30 as a male factor. And that word simply means it's a criminal. It's committed a crime against humanity. You know, in that passage, it's, it's one who violates the law or is a criminal. That's, that's what an evildoer is. So, government is supposed to punish the evildoers and is supposed to encourage those that do well. So, to uphold law, to protect the rights of citizens. You know, even Paul used government law in his defense. For example, in Acts chapter 21 in Acts chapter 21 <clears throat> remember when Paul uh, went to Jerusalem against the council of several prophets and and uh, who prophesied on the direction of the spirit of God and and so he's he's uh, they they've, they've come upon him and they're, they're going to try and kill him and in Acts 21 verse 31 it says and as they went about to kill him Titus came on the chief captain of the band that'd be the Romans That all Jerusalem was in an uproar, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain, the soldiers had left beating of Paul. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. So on. And then again in verse chapter uh, 35. Wait a minute, I, I got some wrong references here. Anyway, let's go to 35, uh, verse 35, it says, when he came upon the stairs, so it was, that he was born upon the soldiers for the violence of the people. people multitude of the people followed after crying away with him. And as Paul was led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, may I speak unto thee? Who said, Can thou speak Greek? art not thou that Egyptian before these days made a an uproar and led us out into the wilderness four thousand men to be murderers, that were murderers? And Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city. I beseech you therefore to suffer me to speak unto the people. I don't think that's the passage I wanted, but I'm not sure what I wanted. Anyway, uh, in chapter 25 then, again, uh, verses 10 through 12, he's... uh brought before uh, the Jews. The Jews are accusing him before Festus. And and, he, and and so Festus says, hey, will you go up to Jerusalem and be tried? And this is what Paul says in verse 10. Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. So what was he going by? He was going by the law, the Roman law, and appealing to Caesar because he had not violated the law. He had not violated the law. And so the law is, the purpose of the government is to protect Is to punish evildoers, those who commit crimes against humanity, and to protect the rights of the the law abiding. That is the purpose of government. And so we are to submit so when the Bible says here, and this is where it gets confusing, so what about when a government doesn't do that? Well, I'm going to try and answer your question. And that's the third thing you see here we are to submit to the ordinances, and I think this is important, to the ordinances of government. Now, it says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or under governors, unto them that are sent by him with the punishment of evildoers for the praise of them that do well. Now, the word ordinance is used 19... Uh, 19- The Greek word is used 19 times in the New Testament. Only one time is it translated ordinance. 11 times it's translated creature. Six times creation. And one time building, and then the other time ordinance. And the definition, according to Thayer's Greek lexicon, is the sum or aggregate of created things, aggregate of irrational creatures, both animate and inanimate, what we call nature... An institution or an ordinance. So an ordinance is basically an institution, uh, but it has something to do with a created institution or a created law or creation's law. Or that might say it this way, the laws of creation. Something that is natural. Natural law. You say, is there such a thing? Well, I hate to tell you, but our founders thought so. In the Declaration of Independence, they said this, quote, When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, to assume among the powers of the earth a separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitled them. See, there was laws of nature, they understood, that came from nature's God. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to this separation, to that separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and institute a new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Again, I would remind you of the statement, that equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. You see, there are some natural laws in this world. Now, let me ask you some questions. Is it natural to kill your own baby? Some people think it is. Or they think it's okay. Okay. Is it natural to kill your own flesh and blood? I want you to think about that one a little bit. Because the Bible says we're all made of one blood. So is it natural then to kill your fellow man? No matter what color his skin is. Or what religion he is. Is it natural for men to desire men and women women? Well, we know the answer to that one. And go to Romans chapter 1 for just a minute. Romans chapter 1. As I was preparing this, I thought this quite interesting. Romans one twenty says this, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that he are that excuse. Now, there are some natural laws that I saw were evident growing up on the farm. How reproduction takes place. I saw it all the time. And it wasn't male with male. I mean, animals don't even do that. There's some natural things. Natural laws of nature that God has set in place And so he says that we are without excuse. This passage goes on. Uh, verse pick up in verse twenty five. This and it says about these they've changed the truth of God into lie, worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This cause gave them God gave them up to vile infections affections, for even their women had changed the natural use and that which is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another men with men, murking that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in the knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventor of evil, things that one caught my attention inventor of evil things you, you, you sometimes you think, can man come up with any worse evil than he has what about organ harvesting now I didn't say organ donations I said organ harvesting it's estimated that at a minimum China is selling 60,000 organs a year from live people. 60,000. You know, I watched a video clip of communism uh, yesterday afternoon, and they gave the prices... You might get a kidney for sixty-two thousand dollars, or a liver between ninety-eight to one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, or a lung one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy thousand dollars, or a heart one hundred and thirty to one hundred and sixty thousand dollars, or cornea for thirty thousand dollars. And so, the religious, quote unquote, in China that are in the gulags and the prisons, the concentration camps, what they are. By the way, the Nazis didn't start those; they didn't invent them. Russia did, Lenin did, and Stalin. It wasn't a Nazi. It was something the Nazis began. And they say they're doing a minimum. There was two lawyers in Canada who did investigations into this thing and said, "There's, you know." China says maybe 10,000 a year. No, they say a minimum of 60,000 a year. So, organ harvesting is that natural? That you would cut open a living body and take a heart out? Well, the sex trafficking, which is big business in our world, it's big business. Very dangerous business to be in too, because if you you know if you're you know there has been some that were going to blow the whistle on some things I fear and are not living. but uh, my, my question is: is again, are these things natural? But, but the Bible says here that we're to make ordinance man, we're to submit to every ordinance of man. We're talking about submitting to laws that are natural, not immoral. Not immoral. You know, our government says it's legal to kill your unborn child. In fact, in some places, in some states, it's legal to kill it after it's born. Or illegal for a child or to start taking uh, trans, you know, trans drugs. I just read yesterday or the other day that in Massachusetts now you're allowed to get an abortion without parent parental consent by the time you're 16 see these are the things that government is starting to starting to allow or uh, make legal Uh, but see when God made man was he allowed the liberty to his own opinion and belief yeah he was you know, God's not a control freak. You can do what you want. I mean, there's, there'll be consequences or rewards either way, but you can do what you want. You can choose your own destiny. God is not a control freak. I mean, there's some that believe He is, but He's not. Uh, God allowed man to have his own opinion. You know, does my belief in marriage as between a man and a woman violate someone else's rights? does it keep someone else from a different opinion or belief? I think the answer is obvious. No, it does not. So why then is my opinion considered hate speech? And theirs is not. See, government was established for the purpose of the punishment of evildoers. Not the punishment of them to do well. And we are submit to every ordinance of man. It has to do with natural laws. You know, it's interesting to me that as I, could, as I read a book recently called uh, When a Nation Forgets God, Seven Lessons to Learn from Nazi Germany. Of course, you'd say the same thing about the communists. But one of the things that Erwin Lutzer said in this book is that Hitler changed the laws. He changed what treason meant by treason. If you criticize the government, no matter what it was, you, that was considered treason. Of course, that's, that's the way the communists did things, too. Uh <clears throat> In the People's Court, the People's Court was established in 1934 to try acts of treasons. Five judges were appointed to each court, three of whom were always appointed by Hitler or one of his associates because of their special knowledge in the defense against subversive activities and because they are more intimately connected with the political trends of the nation. The proceedings were secret, the punishments were severe, crimson red posters announced the names of those who died under the acts of the executioner. And uh, one man said this, quote, If the source of law is the individual, then the individual is the God of that system. If there is no higher law beyond man, then man is his own God. When you choose your authority, you choose your God. And when you look for your law, there is your God, And that is very true. So you look behind the law, and you can see where the God is. Who is their God? You know, are even even in our own state, I don't know if many of you saw this, but back in November, our governor's wife flipped some people that were protesting, some Christians, and said, called them, called them, um, I don't know what the term she called them. Anyway, derogatory terms and... Uh, um, she later apologized, but, you know, some of them were children. Uh, but, you know, you think about this, the changing of laws. When they were trying Jesus, in John chapter 18, verse 29 and 30, Pilate then went out on them and said, What accusation bring you against this man? And this is their answer. They answered and said him, If he were not a male factor, we would not have brought him unto thee. Now let me ask you a question. They said, if he was not a malefactor, we would not have brought him unto thee. He asked, What is the accusation? Did they really answer his question? No, they did not. No, they did not. So, you know what they had to do to convict him? They had to change the law. In fact, Pilate said in verse 38, I find no fault in him. So they created a law to find fault in him. They said, of course, that he was a son of God. And so, but we are, again, we are to submit, but there is no higher, but I would remind you of this also. There is no higher authority on earth than the church. Go to Matthew 8.2. Now, I'm not talking about the universal church. I'm talking about the local church. Now, the local church does not have authority to prosecute for criminal activity. But we do have the authority to cast judgment on our own people. And it is an authority over which no government is to have control. Matthew 18 Verse 15, moreover, if thy brother shall press pass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Of course, if you cast judgment on a person and vote him out of the church, that that, that ruling is is uh, authoritative even in heaven. Because it's the Lord's church. Now, if you, you know, the, the Corinthian church, of course, I had to exercise church discipline on the man that was committed to immorality. So they had the sole authority. To vote him out of the church. Now they didn't have any authority to convict him in the city or the state. The church doesn't have an authority. Now the Catholic Church thinks it does. In Islam thinks it does, Sharia law. But not a biblical church. But they also had the authority to forgive him, bring him back in. And so there is no higher law or authority than a, than a church. But you know, and we, as churches, as individuals, are to submit to the government when they make, when they, when they uh, pass or into the ordinances uh, that they that they that they make that again are natural law. Now, uh, <clears throat> when they create laws that are contrary to the Bible then we are not obligated to subject ourselves to them for example daniel chapter 6 daniel chapter 6 of course there's examples of this in the new testament also in daniel 6 verses 4 through 9 of course daniel was appointed over the three presidents he had a, a position of authority high up in the government and it says, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. Forasmuch as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these three presidents and princes assembled together to the king, and said thus unto, the king, unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents in the kingdoms of and the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consoled together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius, signed the writing and decree. So here was Daniel... You know, he was a faithful man working in government. You know what? What often goes along with government workers? Corruption. Corruption. Power corrupts. Which you know there, there are, and I'm not saying everybody in government is corrupt. You know, we got a couple of government workers here, and I don't believe they're corrupt. But you know, if you were an unsaved man working in government and you had an opportunity, that would be a very great temptation. And they're doing it. Do you think they didn't do it back then? I guarantee you they did. But Daniel didn't. He was a thorn in their flesh. And they needed a way to get rid of him. You know, just like today, they probably enriched themselves working in government like many today, go to government to enrich themselves. And so what did they have to do? They had to change the law and make a law that was against God and nature's God. But Daniel, though Daniel was submissive to the king, and served the king, subjected himself to the kings that he served under, he would not obey this law, because it violated a higher law. And that was God's law. See, the last time I checked, the word submit means to subject one's self, to obey. Now, the last time I checked, that was a choice. That is a choice. That is a choice God gave us. God gives us a choice to submit to Him or not to submit to Him. Now, the word control means to exercise restraint or direction over. In other words, to dominate. So that's somebody exercising control on your life. That's not of your choice. So the British were starting to exercise control in the colonies and the colonies say, wait, 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 this violates English law. They were standing on law. These are against nature's laws and God's law. We're on the side of law here. And when government starts to pass laws that violate nature's laws, we must not we are not obligated to obey those laws. You know, I never knew this. Maybe some of you, probably most of you knew this, and I didn't. The word control is not even in the Bible. Couldn't find it. I typed it into the uh, uh, literal Bible. say says it's not anywhere. And, and most of the verses, it's not there. See, control is to have your choices taken from you. It's taken from you. And, you know, so we're, this word submit has the idea of subjecting oneself, so it's a choice. You know, and that's the way God designed it, whether it be in the church, whether it be in government, whether it be in relationships and marriage, or children to parents, it's to be a choice. God gave man a free will. And governments are not meant to control people. They are meant to protect people. But see, what is our government doing? They're passing laws, or I might say executive orders, to control us. To control us. Um, But you know, our... uh, and our government was not our constitution is not set up to control us it's to govern you know we say that God is in control and he is but without being controlling because God uses man's free will to fulfill his purposes after all God knows what Man will do with that free will. But when when a when a, a government starts to take control, then you become a slave or a puppet. And our government is becoming increasingly controlling. It's starting to tell us where we can go. How many can meet together? How many can assemble in a church? It's starting to tell us if we can get together with family at holidays what we can wear, whether you can wear a mask or you don't have to wear a mask. you are even starting to say what we can say. Some of the things I said this morning could be considered hate speech. Now, I have a question for you. I know you see any hurry. Are these commands that are coming from our governors... According to the law of our land and of the laws of nature. You know what the Constitution of the North Carolina Constitution says? Section 13, religious liberty. All persons have a natural, there's that word nature again, natural, an inalienable right to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of their own conscience. Did any of you get forced to come here today? Did any of you uh, remember me telling you, do not wear a mask? No. All persons have a natural and inalienable right to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of their own conscience, and no human authority shall, in any case whatever, control or interfere with the rights of conscience. So is the governor even following the laws of our state? The answer is no. This is the law, not him. He's not the law. He's supposed to be enforcing the law. Well, you know what we're seeing happening in our country is they're starting to punish those that do well and praise Now, we're not supposed to be a bunch of rebels. But we are not supposed to blindly follow or submit to things that are against the laws of nature and nature's God. That's not what submission means. Daniel didn't obey a law that was contrary to God's law. Now, he was submitted. He submitted himself to the consequences. He didn't even try to run away. Maybe he was too old to, I don't know. He was pretty old at that time. But he didn't try to even run away. He just continued living life, obeying God, doing the will of God like he always did. You know, that's what we need to continue doing. That's what we need to continue doing. And as Americans, we have the right to raise our, to let our voices be heard, to write our elected officials, to go to rallies, to vote. You know, and if they don't do something with this, you know, not sure there's going to be a lot of value in some of that. But, um, so, you know, again, submission. As I, as I said, submission is first an attitude. Daniel was submitted to the king. He always honored the king, but he did not obey the king in the this matter of prayer. Because that law violated the law of God. Now I want you to notice again verse 17 of our text. It says, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. The word honor means to revere or to fix with value. So every man has value. We need to understand that every man has value. He's a creation, a, a person created in the image of God. We are all of one blood. We're to value one another, honor one another. And it says that we're to honor the king. Again, he's a great being. And we're to love the brotherhood. So there's a special love there for those of the brotherhood. But then it says to fear God. And the word fear means to reverence, to venerate, to treat with deference or reverential obedience. You know, we think about deference. This is the idea, okay, if there's a question about man's belief and opinion, or God's, guess who you always defer to? God. So if there's any question in your mind, is this right? Is what man's saying right, or is God's what God's saying is right? You always give God the benefit of the doubt. You defer to Him. Why? Because He is the highest authority. And all authority is under Him. All authority is under Him. You see, God doesn't need to control people. In fact, demanding control shows weakness. Isn't it interesting that what we think of as powerful leaders in the world, many of them demand, control, uh, demand control. They're tyrants. But the reality is, they're very insecure. See, see, President, President Reagan used to say, you know, if you if you, you give the American people the right conditions, they will prosper. He he had confidence in the people to do what was right. Trump has that same philosophy, but you know what the other the Democrats and the and the left say? No, we gotta we gotta control them. Because they can't govern themselves. You know what that's really saying? You're not worth much. You're not very bright. And the reality is they're afraid of losing their authority. Joseph Stalin you know, should have been fearless. He had absolute power. But instead, this infamous Russian president would go to bed afraid. He had seven different bedrooms. Each could be locked as tightly as a safe. In order to foil any would-be assassin. he slept in a different one each night. Five chauffeur-driven limousines transported him wherever he went, each with curtains closed so no one would know which contained Stalin. So deep-seated were his apprehensions that he employed a servant whose sole task was to monitor and protect his... Teabags, bags. And if you, there was a video clip, uh, let's say I was watching, concerning communism and the purge of the leaders. And when he was brought to power, there was like a thousand men in the Politburo, I guess they call it, until within a few years, he had got rid of all of them. but Because their power was a threat to his. Could you imagine having a president who every year would kill the vice president because he may be a threat? But that's the kind of stuff he did. You know, tyrants live in constant fear and with good reason because they're evildoers. They want to control the minds of people you know, God doesn't want us to be controlled. He does want us to submit to those in authority over, over us. But that is a choice. He commands us to submit. But it is something of our choice. And we are to submit to just authority. When, those are, when, when, when corrupt authority makes laws that are contrary to the laws of nature or the laws of God, we must not. Obey those laws. So there is a difference between submission and control. They are vastly different contradictions, actually. So submit, fear God, obey Him. You know, we need to have an attitude, we need to have a right attitude toward those in authority, even if they are wicked. But we also, as of course, as Americans, we have the right to assemble, to address our grievances, to vote in hopes of change in those in authority over us. And of course, um, we are not to uh, submit to laws that are unjust.